0: Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Carriman. We are a belly-up sports podcast. We are what they are. not Brandon, how you doing?
2: LJ, I am doing really good. Uh, we are going to get to the Yankees and Red Sox games today, but... uh. Let's just say I'm very happy with the result uh, of of the doubleheader.
0: Yeah, I mean, we might as well jump into them. So the Red Sox did indeed get swept today and will officially lose this series against the New York Yankees, losing 5-3 and 2-0 over the two games. Um, Brandon, initial thoughts?
1: Yeah,
2: I mean... Knew knew that this was a huge, huge series for the Yanks, especially this, this doubleheader. You know, the Red Sox have really gotten the better of us this season uh, up until this point. And I'm really happy with what they did today. I mean, game one, we had Jordan Montgomery on the mound and he was looking pretty good. I mean what he went four and two thirds, I think, right. Three earned runs and, uh, yeah, offense really came alive. Nice hits there by, uh, Anthony Velasquez, uh, yeah, you know, just overall a great win. Uh, and then game two, the main man, Luis heel, uh, yeah he still hasn't a lot of run in the majors 15 and two-thirds innings pitched no earned runs today four and two-thirds three hits no runs four strikeouts looks really really good had a bit of control issues to be honest uh you know if there was one slight on him but for this, for being a, I think he's 23-year-old kid, he has looked at outstanding.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think that's something we're seeing more and more of with the growing emphasis on having guys only see the order twice is that most of these forward-thinking organizations aren't letting their young guys go deep in games. I mean, not only does it save their arm, but it allows them to develop without really getting put into positions where they can struggle. That's how you see a guy like Gill not really get fully stretched to maximum capability. I mean, 71 pitches, He he should theoretically be able to go more than that. He should in theory be able to get, I don't recall if he had anybody left on base when he left the game, did he?
2: No, but you know, I'm okay with that because you are right. Like it makes sense to not, you know, stretch these guys out, especially because Gil has just been like every time he he finishes a start for us, he's been able to go right back down, which uh is really good because he was the twenty seventh man that that you're get that you you're allowed to get uh when you play a doubleheader he was that uh, designated player and that player goes down no matter what. They're not on your 40 man roster. Uh, so yeah, he'll be down tomorrow, but, uh, who knows how much longer he's, he's going to be in the rotation. Now that Cole is back, Monty's back, uh, hopefully Corey Kluber is back in, uh, soon Severino still don't know what's up with him, but look, uh, As for the games, Yankees getting the sweep is absolutely huge. They take the lead over the Red Sox in the division. Uh, It's the first time being in a playoff spot for the Yankees since May 30th. They were 10 and a half games out uh, back. In June or July, I think July 6th was when we were 10 and a half games out. But yeah, LJ, I mean, Nathan Avaldi really pitched good, but what's going on with your guys' offense? Because three runs in two games is very uncharacteristic of the Reds of this 2021 Red Sox.
0: Brandon, that really in its root. Has been the core issue, or at least the only issue that I can complain about with this past month. There really hasn't been a. It hasn't felt like there's necessarily this most fixable issue that they haven't went and fixed. The offense has been incredibly inconsistent. We've been either scoring one run or twenty over the past couple of weeks, and of course that'll make your numbers seem just fine and fine and dandy, but. It doesn't always win these games, you know. With that being said, again, we've, we've seen them put up 20 twice or close to 20 twice in the past week, two weeks. So we know, we know what's there. I don't have any real concern that that's not going to come back and that's not going to start to show itself, especially when we get into this schedule, which thankfully – I mean, I certainly would like to be in a position where the Red Sox are in. I believe they've got the fifth easiest schedule or something like that. They're pretty low, five or seven um, in the league for the rest of this stretch. I'd much rather be in that scenario where you've earned being in this position. You've gotten yourself to this position with a harder schedule in the first month, in the first, not month and a half, but, X amount of time up until this last month and a half, and you can kind of reap the benefits of having the weaker part of your schedule come around right now. Um, as for a positive from this series, look, I feel kind of comfortable saying this is exactly what we needed in terms of rotation. Nathan Evaldi, five innings, two earned, absolutely good. Uh, Tanner Houck, four innings, two earned. I believe he only threw 50 pitches, but um, Cora tends to like to go with a three-inning relief job in the doubleheaders a lot anyways. So it makes sense for him to have pulled him regardless after four and just start to go into that whole setup mode. Besides that, I mean, yeah. It seems like this is a very effective and capable pitching staff. Getting Martín Pérez and Garrett Richards out of there makes a huge difference. Brandon, I'm not sure if you caught this, but Brandon, or not Brandon, Matt Andrees has officially been designated for assignment. The Matt Andrees era in the Boston Red Sox is over. We're thankful for that. The question I now ha- have to wonder is where is this come where is the de- next demotion coming because Tanner Howe cast to get onto this roster he was the 27th man today and that's how it's been for the last three starts he's been in th- he's been in the rotation for about three starts worth
2: same with heel yeah
0: and he hasn't gotten in and he has been named a full-time member of the rotation like he's not he's not going to be 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 leaving the rotation he has flat out taken Martine Perez's Spot there, so somebody has to go. I'm not 100 percent sure who that is. I, I think I think the uh, front runners are going to be either of the guys they traded for at the deadline or Garrett Richards. But I'm certainly going to be waiting to see who it is. Odds are it'll be Austin Davis. Seeing he only has a year and a, a year of service time in, so I would have to assume he's, yeah he's got one option year left. So if that's not being used right now so he would probably be the most likely guy to be on the move
2: so the red Sox have played two more games than the yankees have on the year and uh after next weekend they that will not be the case as the red Sox have uh the rare well we of course play tomorrow wednesday Well, I guess it's today for those listening. The Red Sox are off Thursday, have a three-game series against the Rangers over the weekend, and then an off-day Monday. So you guys have two off days and five days, which you don't see very often on the Major League schedule.
0: No, you're right. Um, Another question I do have to ask about this game, and – I mean, I know he's not going to answer this, but Alex Cora, what are you doing? There's really only been over this past week, week or so, one decision that I could seriously question. And that's that's pretty good for the major league level. I feel like most managers get questioned much more. Josh Taylor, of course, has pitched fantastic. He is going to be a very good left-handed reliever for us for a number of years to come, but he gets reactivated from the COVID IL from i believe it was just symptoms very similar to jd and so either way though with that with that type of IL stint, it's not like he's been throwing he hasn't been keeping warm this is his first game back yes he's a fresh arm but you throw him into the most high leverage situation of game one and expect that to go well i i question the judgment there right am i am i right in questioning that
2: yeah uh especially when you have a bunch of other options that you could have went to there right like mm-hmm. I'm not like of course I don't watch the Red Sox every day but it just seems like that's a weird spot to even bring him in to start with because it is a seven inning doubleheader, and when you think about left right matchups and everything and like we're not going to get into that but it just it just seemed a bit strange
0: yeah Honestly, I'm excited. It, it has felt like a very long time since the Red Sox bullpen Sox- has felt this deep. Like, they're not the most consistently dominant group, but I mean, I don't think I can complain with Matt Barnes, Adam Adovino, Josh Taylor, Garrett Whitlock, Yurikazu Sawamura so when he's not pitching like a total dummy. You know, is- Hansel
2: Robles has actually been really good. Like, if you look past his ERA and you see how many like appearances he's had this year where he hasn't allowed a run, it is a lot. It's just when he's had appearances, when he allows runs, he gets shelved. So it's like.
0: Look, the other thing I think we always need to keep in mind, the life of a reliever is very fickle. So you can get hot, you can get comfortable, and go at it and have a great year. But sometimes even just a change in location can completely screw with your year. We've seen it time and time again where relievers that get traded at the deadline, either they don't acclimate to the team and the city, just the overall change in the middle of the year affects them, and they're not nearly in the same form they were even a week before the deadline. So, I think, of course, it's there's going to be a lot of tough decisions in the next couple weeks for the Red Sox in terms of what they're going to be doing with this 26-man roster because, of course, the thing I was going to lead up to now is Ryan Brazier is going through the process of his rehab starts. He should be coming up any week now, which will add another late innings guy to this team. So realistically, with the 26 men that we've got right now, Two have to go. And that's not even considering a potential Christian Arroyo return.
2: Yeah, uh, it's if, if you were to play that game with the Yankees, it gets very complicated. This, there's just so many different uh, moving parts right now. But the Yankees and Red Sox will finish up the series today. Nick Pavetta takes on Andrew Haney uh yeah both teams could really use the game should the yankees win it'd be a sweep they'd have won six in a row and have a two game lead over the red Sox. Or no what would that be a one game lead over the red sox however it is uh and then should the red sox win they can come out of the series still ahead of the yankees so uh yeah really big game for for both teams but uh Let's move on to some other news not pertaining to our teams. Tommy Pham. It's a name we haven't talked about in a while. Well, tonight for the Padres, he hit the longest home run so far of the season. LJ, 486 feet.
0: Randy, you know what that sounds like? What's that? a piss missile
2: that is I mean 486 is (laughs) to do that off of like not a batting practice pitcher is really really hard to do
0: I know you know it's interesting honestly I find this fascinating because it's like there's a leveling out of that dynamic that you find in high school that theoretically you wouldn't think was there i'm sure the math makes sense but like you think about high school the best pitchers are usually the ones who give up the most home runs because most guys aren't able to actually hit home runs but the guys will throw hard enough that if you stick your bat out it'll go 400 feet you got you're you should be surprised that that doesn't happen more you're i'm honestly sometimes surprised that more guys don't get more of these mammoth Home runs with how hard guys are throwing it these days. I'm not sure how fast that ball was thrown to him, but I'm sure that has to have some effect or come into account on that type of stuff.
2: Well, I can tell you right now on Baseball Savant. All
0: right, so it, it was it was either a changeup or a ninety-eight plus. We'll
2: let's see here, uh, Rockies, Padres. As the is the Padres drop another game, LJ? If you want to talk for a couple seconds about that, I mean, the Padres, yeah, the Padres- now, they they genuinely have less than a coin flip chance to make the playoff right now. Is that fair? Because the Reds look like they are they. they're they they they're—they're common.
0: Well, call it a hot take if you want. The Padres don't deserve to be in these playoffs. I don't think I can count how many times that they have lost to the Rockies this year, or at least it feels like they've lost to the Rockies, which means it's a close time. We said for two divisions, it was very much essential that They each of the top teams absolutely beats down on the bottom teams because of how competitive it's going to be at the top. We said that about the NL East, and we said that about the NL West. And that was before the Giants were even a factor. If the Padres were going to come into a playoff spot, and if the Padres were going to come into even a division or good seed, whatever it may be, they had to clean up against the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. And it just feels like the Rockies have had their number this year. So at some point, you got to close out these games against beatable opponents if you're going to expect to make the postseason. As for Cincinnati, they're playing amazing. You know, this is the exact team that we had thought we were seeing at the beginning of the year. You're not always going to get a complete season out of teams. I can think of very few teams each year that you can say played a complete season. There's always gonna be stretches. There's always gonna be lulls. The thing with the Reds is that they weren't actually expected to be this good. Everybody's talking Brewers, Cardinals, Brewers, Cardinals. No one really had any anticipation or high hopes for the Reds. So when they cooled off after that first month, everybody stopped caring and it took way too long for them to get back into that situation.
2: So Tommy Pham's home run, the pitch was 86 miles an hour.
0: I wasn't even close.
2: Well, I'm assuming that it was just some kind of hanging off speed that he, he spun really hard and it didn't move. It was, as your dad the curve calls it. Curve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The 12-12. It was probably something like a 12-12 curve
0: good old 12 12 curve it's my favorite pitch in the book
2: it's it's a hitters favorite pitch that's that's for sure
0: oh it's it's absolutely stunning especially on especially on zero days rest oh yeah three three to four straight games is the premium um, amount of rest and arm health to be able to throw a proper 12 12 curve in my book if you ask me
2: All right. Well, this next story uh, is a bit more serious, but we have since found out good news about it. But Chris Bassett on the Oakland A's, uh, he was hospitalized after he took a 100 mile an hour line drive off the bat to his face. Uh, He got carted off the field brought to the hospital he was conscious the entire time which uh is very good and they do think that uh there's gonna be a few more uh like bone fractures that come through that they're gonna find out about but uh i guess just he got hit like right under his eye uh And they don't think that anything is an issue there other than just a couple orbital bones broken probably, and uh, maybe a few stitches, but they, according to A's manager, Bob Melvin, uh, he's doing very good at the hospital, which is what you like to see, especially because look, LJ, this stuff is going to happen, right? I mean, there's, there's no avoiding it because for as many times as we see line drives go up the middle for one to actually connect and hit with a pitcher, which has happened a million times. Right. I mean, they, we, we've seen a ton of pitchers get hit with a line drive. So uh, for the, but just, you never know when it's going to happen. It's always so random. And I think Chris Bassett really, uh, you know, I'm happy that he's, he's okay. And uh, because stuff like this is going to happen and, it's obviously terrible to the guys that it does, but uh, yeah, thank God he is doing okay. And uh, definitely best of luck to him.
0: Yeah. Thank goodness. He's doing okay. This again shows the guts it takes to be a pitcher. I mean, no, no self-respecting major league baseball player will admit it, but I'm sure I'm hundred percent certain there are guys that chose the outfield purely out of comfortability. Like, it. they played better knowing that they had a little more time to react to the hit ball. The rest of the infield at least gets, is in a ready position, but the pitcher's mound, being a pitcher, it is the, by far, probably the most scary, yeah, scary position to play in the field because not only are you closest to the hit the ball in play, but nine times out of 10, actually probably more than 90% of pitchers when they finish their release are in a very compromised and vulnerable position where they can't necessarily quickly react and get out of the way or get their glove to a lot of balls. So thankfully we don't see a lot more of these, but every single time you do, you just watch in horror because something could go seriously wrong. I'm surprised more don't. I mean, this this part reminds me, gives me shades of back when, little league baseball started using the material, the uh, hats with the semi, the semi flat rims. Mm-hmm. And, or no, it wasn't semi flat. It was fully flat. They went fully flat for a couple of years. And during that time in the World Series game or the semi final, one of the pitchers took a line drive directly to the face and it didn't end up actually, he didn't end up with any damage because it got the brim of his cap and it completely crushed the cap before it hit him. That's the type of stuff it gives me reminders of. It just, it's amazing. We see so many close calls and not any more gruesome, terrible career ending stories.
2: Yeah, no, uh, that is awesome that something like that happened, especially in, in a little league and, uh, yeah, overall, uh, I'm just happy that everyone is, is, is okay after this. Uh, like I said, stuff like this is going to happen. Uh, you know, there's always going to be bad stories and guys that get hurt uh, like that, but it's part of the game and uh, we are able to move on from it, uh, at least in a, in a happy note here for Chris Bassett. But another guy, LJ, who has spent quite a bit of time on the injured list this year is George Springer. He's going back on the I.L. with a sprained left knee. Uh, LJ, this is a major blow for Toronto as they are currently trying their hardest to stay in this in this playoff race here. Uh, And Springer has been hitting really good for them. He is over a 970.0. OPS with the Blue Jays this year.
0: Look, I it's just good to see him finally get back with his team. He did sign with the IL right <laughs> this offseason.
1: Yeah, yeah. That,
2: that, that,
0: that's what it, that's what it's felt like so far. Is that the biggest free agent of the year? possibly the biggest free agent signing ever by the injured list was George Springer this year. I mean. Kobe Ellsbury
2: starting- is is the star of the team. He he's, he was the future All Star.
0: <laughs> he he he's the only guy to get his number retired by the IL. Oh
2: yeah, no they 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 gave him a whole like retirement tour. He got it all. He got the glitz and glamour.
0: Real talk. Who else would be on that wall?
2: Uh, <sighs> the, the who are the always hurt guys? Uh, always. Definitely Springer. I like that, that, that that's where you at with that. Uh,
0: <laughs> so Springer, Ellsbury, infielders. I mean. It, Joel Embiid makes a surprise cross sport.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. If if we're talking all sports, definitely Joel Embiid. Uh, if we're talking football for quarterbacks, uh, Carson Wentz, there you go. It
0: just starts getting slowly more ridiculous.
2: Um, yeah, no, but LJ, so as well, for...
0: Tom and Jerry. Um,
2: as for yeah. Springer, uh, so the Blue Jays signed him to that huge contract, like, what, $150 million. And, well, at least unlike Francisco Lindor, George Springer has shown the Blue Jays fans that when he plays, he can be good. Uh, But unfortunately, when you're on the when you're on the IL for so much of the year and you've only played in, uh, you know, how many games uh, I can check here in a minute. Hold on, let me find. George Springer, but it's like you've played in how many games this year and yes, yeah, sure, you've been good, but that doesn't mean anything when you're playing in 20, 30 games. I'm going to get the exact number right now. George Springer this year has played in 49 games and he's getting paid $30, $30 million. Look,
0: it, this isn't a big deal I don't think
2: 23 million
0: long term because I don't think this roster was actually ready to compete for a playoff spot to begin with at this point I think that it's shown us that even with Springer so him not being there isn't necessarily ruining their chances to win then by that logic you then move to the fan base and whether the the fan base having an issue is going to seriously impact the, the, the future of his career because of the amount of negative pushback you'll always get. Like if he was in New York right now, if he was in Boston right now and only played 49 games after signing that contract, he would get so much ridicule over the next whatever tenure of his contract. He could do a million things right and probably still not get the respect of the entire fan base and that can break a lot of guys. But here's the thing. Brandon, have you ever talked to Graham Wallace?
2: Yeah, yeah. These
0: guys are too polite to actually get mad about it for about this guy. Like I genuinely don't think they can really these Canadians can really get mad at George Springer for not being out on the field. So, you add that in and then you think about the the amount of leadership that it already appears he has brought even from the bench i think he's going to have a very strong impact on this team whether he's out there or not and if his if his play isn't going to be able to put them in the playoffs then it's really not the end of the world
2: yeah no uh, i agree you make a good point uh hopefully toronto in the future you know they got all these good great prospects uh Hopefully they can get some, somewhat of a bullpen put together uh, for the upcoming years to supplement this great lineup and uh, potential really good starting rotation. But uh, LJ, speaking of the uh, teams that are going on making moves, the Dodgers have signed Shane Green to a major league contract. Uh, you know, this is kind of a weird signing because Shane Green pitched pretty good in 2019 and 2020 uh, 2.39 ERA across 90 in the third inning in those two seasons combined, but he's remained on the free agent market for the entirety of this, this year. I mean, he became a free agent after the 2020 season and still hasn't been signed until now. Uh LJ, um, it's safe to say he's 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 been waiting for a good offer.
0: Well, he did play a little bit with Atlanta this year, correct?
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah. What is this article saying then? Oh, okay. I just don't read yeah he's not been he's not been good though with the break no you know he
0: hasn't but again this is another chance of proven guys getting to show their stuff something a lot of guys probably don't deserve but yeah I mean you know what if they're gonna just keep spending money why not you can bring him in reasonably what's the deal again
2: uh, so the Braves will actually be on the hook for the bulk of that prorated salary. the The Dodgers will just be paying the prorated prorated league minimum for the stretch run, which will be subtracted from Atlanta's payroll. So
1: it's wintertime when temperatures go down,
2: the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them so don't risk a costly replacement stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the service card appliance repair program from black hills energy it's peace of mind in a plan visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more
0: start a journey not a fad
2: Maybe, maybe a million dollars at the most, like maybe like 600 K comes in the, out of the books.
0: At this point, that's nothing for this team. So why not bring him in worst case scenario? He let take some extra innings off of the rest of your bullpen. And if you don't like what you see, you can cut him well before the playoffs. You can even cut him before he does any damage to your chances of making it back into the division run. And keeping in the division run. So realistically, when you're when you're this far over the luxury tax and it's this late in the season, there is really no disincentive to spend.
2: Yeah, especially when some of the guys in your bullpen include Naftali Feliz, who I I mean, I didn't know that this guy still played. I, like he was a great, great closer. To start the the decade, I remember, uh, but I mean, this guy LJ, how, how is he still around? I'm on his baseball reference page. 2021, he came back to pitch. He hasn't pitched since 2017. He was on the Phillies this year, and then all of a sudden, the the Dodgers are able to scoop him up, and now he's on their active roster. They have this someone named Evan Phillips who. They claimed awful waivers from Tampa Bay. Some undrafted free agent named Justin Breel. Bre- Bre- I don't even know how to say this guy's name. So the Dodgers, are they're just looking for any arm that can go in that bullpen right now because talk about injuries too. I mean, Danny Duffy, Tony Gonsolin, Cole Hamels, Clayton Kershaw, Dustin May, Julio Urias, uh, Victor Gonzalez, Jimmy Nelson, Joe Kelly, Scott Alexander. These are all Dodgers pitchers that are on the IL right now uh, who have made a significant impact or are planning on making a significant impact on the team. So, uh, yeah, that I, I understand why they're making a move like this.
0: Yeah, the name is Brule.
2: Rule. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's um, I believe, Middle German, Middle High German.
2: His his baseball reference page doesn't have a pronunciation, so I was wondering.
0: Uh, I'm basing that off. Uh, I'm assuming it's Middle High German because of the amount of similarities to "cool" as in "Chad cool."
2: Ah uh, yes. It's
0: also the same, so it would have the same, uh, root. A little phonics for you in MLB Daily, would that be what this is? Yeah, uh, is that th- is that phonics?
2: Phonics, that sounds that sounds right. I don't know,
0: it, it's really not that important. Um, anyway,
2: where are we? Uh,
0: yeah, here are we. Um, we are talking about, yeah, Dodgers pitching. Look again, Neftali Feliz. If he's got something in the tank, let's go see it. I, I talked about it the other day rick porcello probably isn't the best answer but david robinson's a lot better of an answer
2: um i oh, talk about uh david robinson I'm, I'm i'm glad you brought him up he just got signed by the race
0: exactly and you know that's further proof that like
2: and he was pitching on team usa right yes mm-hmm. he was
0: pitching on team usa but even a past the team usa type of guy I struggle to like that Jake Arietta move by the Padres because you've already seen that he is not really able, capable of performing, or at least he isn't performing this year. So why go back and start running around with the same exact thing that Chicago already dealt with when you can very easily go out and get somebody else that, yes, may have a much lower – floor than Jake Arietta which I'm not sure is actually possible but at the same time you have less of an idea of exactly what you're going to get you could very much get a reinvigorated one of these these older starters or older relievers who ends up having a very good end of the season for you it could really work out in your favor and at the end of the day why not at least give it a try so That really struggled with me. I think this is a good opportunity to segue into this next section where I also want to get back to the Padres uh, for a minute. They're 14 and 16 since the All-Star break after dropping that game to the Rockies. So, I mean, yeah, this is an absolute collapse. They do really need another pitcher here. Papa Elge is the one I should give credit for for actually reminding me of this. Brandon, did Mackenzie Gore just disappear?
2: No, I mean, I think it makes sense why they don't want to call him up this year. Uh, you know, they already have so many pitchers that are going to potentially be coming back that you don't want to throw another name in there for then. You know, because let's say that you – call him up and he's in his lights out right well now you have just on your il coming back clevenger darvish lamette paddock adrian Morejon. i mean drew pomeranz will be back it's just like you have all these guys that are coming back and then you're also going to Put him in the mix this year and you signed Jake Arrieta and you have Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove and Ryan Weathers I mean you have all those guys too so you know it makes sense but I'm sure I'm sure he'll be up at some point he's still really young if I remember right like he's not he's not very old whatsoever so um Yeah. He's only 22. So like he's, he's, he's still young.
0: Look, I just, I can't buy it. I, I, I understand what you're saying here to an extent, but I cannot buy that. That's a good enough reason. First off, I don't, I don't see having too much talent as a problem. And it's a little backwards. You're thinking here of, what are they possibly going to do if he pitches lights out? If if are one of your top prospects, if the twenty seventh best prospect in baseball pitches lights out, that's a good thing. That means the team did its job in scouting, in developing, in preparing a very good future starter for the this team. So that's an absolute. You could be
2: win. hurt actually right now.
0: He's not on the I.L. He's not shown on the
2: I.L. for. Uh, well, he hasn't pitched. Well. He hasn't pitched at the AAA level since uh, June 18th. Interesting. Where he went one in the third, allowing six runs, only two were earned uh, and three home runs. Wait, There's what? How can he have three home runs allowed, but only two earned runs? Oh, okay. If like some, are oh, actually no, because so if you like, let's say you're hitting, and you hit a foul ball, and someone it's like a a very catchable fly ball, yes. that lands foul, and the guy makes an error, on it and is unable to catch it, it doesn't count as an earned run for the pitcher if the player later in the at bat hits a home run it doesn't count as an earned run or as an rbi for the player so you can hit a home run and not get an rbi should you have been out on an earlier foul ball in the at bat but yeah uh,
0: yeah i guess now let's take it as a hypothetical scenario okay if he was healthy by all logic your goal this year is to make the playoffs. Your goal is this year is actually to win the division. Doesn't look like you're gonna do that, so you gotta at least make the playoffs, and you cannot deny that the odds are more likely than not than a a healthy Mackenzie Gore will pitch better than Jake Arietta.
2: Oh no, I would I would buy that totally.
0: So again. And if this is a top prospect of yours, eventually you have to commit to him and stick with him. This isn't with pitching. It's not necessarily the same of, of where you can, you're really going to manipulate the amount of option years with the top guys. Usually if he's one of them, you're going to bring him up early on in the year and you're going to give him a spot in the rotation consistently. You're not going to keep jumping him back and forth depending on health concerns so therefore if you used one year for that you're going to have plenty of more plenty more you're you can you can have that one to spare so I guess what I'm trying to say here is if they have to put him on the 40 man in December to avoid rule five status anyways I don't see the harm in putting him on the 40 man and bringing him up at least for a few starts here rather than bringing in a very low-quality pitcher like Jake Arrieta. The other thing I wanted to mention here, Brandon, did you realize that the Giants have yet to lose more than 10 games in any month this season?
2: Yeah, they've been one of the few teams that hasn't really hit a cold, like a real cold streak. Uh, very rare that you see a team do do something like that. I mean, even the best teams uh who end up winning a hundred and something games. Uh there's like a a few series stretch where you can point like, yeah, you know, they they just didn't have it that those those few weeks. Uh with the Giants, it it's it's hard to find something like that. And you have uh is is that your your fact here that they uh Yeah.
0: I you know I of course you knew that this was happening, but they, they have legitimately Done what the Padres haven't—they've won every single game that they have were supposed to win, or theoretically, to to the best of ability. With of course the margin of error that exists with baseball, you're not gonna you're not gonna win every single game purely because of the amount of luck involved. You can drop a game; anyone can drop a game to the Pirates. So, to be able to only lose ten per is a really good sign.
2: Absolutely. And when when you're looking at teams that have the best, best record since, uh, I don't know, let's say July 15th, the Brewers, Yankees, and Giants are the top three there. Uh, Milwaukee's 20 and eight since July 15th. The Yankees are 22 and nine the giants are 21 and 10 and rays braves are 20 and 10 2011 respectively so uh yeah not very surprised that the giants are up there when you when when you have a team that's built the way that they are which is You know, with hitters that aren't very three true outcoming, uh, you know, they don't really and I'm saying this as they have the most amount of home runs. So it looks it looks kind of bad that I just said that. But I still don't believe that that they're an offense that is sitting there you know, not putting the ball in play as much as other teams. I, I would find that really hard to, to –
0: uh, Oh, I'd be shocked. It just doesn't – it doesn't fit the mold of that team.
2: No, I mean, especially when when you look at the first, like, four hitters. Lamonte, Wade, Tommy, LaStella, Buster Posey, Brandon, Bell. Out of those four guys, like, yeah, Posey and Bell are going to – a swing for a bit more power but they're not they're also not strike out you know they're not striking out 150 180 times a year both so yeah no uh I just I want to see if this Giants team is like built good for the playoffs because in theory it is right. They have a roster that's completely built to their ballpark. They have a ton of lefties who like to pull the ball, which the Yankees shouldn't, you know, look into doing. Uh, thank God they finally just traded for guys like that, but they should have always been looking for left-handers because playing to your ballpark is such an underrated thing that you kind of need to do, right? Because It's like if the Red Sox got a bunch of right-handed hitters who like to pull the ball on the ground and hit line drives, they'd be like, well, wait a minute. Like The Green Monster's only 310 feet away. If we can just get right-handers who pull the ball in the air, I mean, they're going to see a significant jump in their home runs. And uh, I just think it's important that every team tries to get players that fit kind of the mold of their of their ballpark
0: yeah i mean it's just it's it's simple logic i mean if you can get if you can get guys especially when you have a gaping hole like the red sox do in left field where it's like you can legitimately have a major impact by just hitting it in that spot like just by hitting it to left field there is a significant increase in likelihood that you're going to be able to get it out of the park than in most stadiums. So by that logic, why would you not play for that? I mean, I know 82 of your games are away from home, but at the same time, 82 of your games are at home. And if that can significantly help you win those 82 games, then it's worth it
2: yeah, uh, I mean that's the, that's the thing. you're you're playing way, way, way more games in your ballpark than any other ballpark. So it, you're right. it's it's real simple, simple logic there. Uh, but one quick thing I saw today, the American League LJ leads the National League in interleague play uh 120 to 103. However, they have scored 21 less runs than the National League d- despite having a 17 game advantage over them. So they just win blow.
0: Who's been, who's been giving up all the, all the runs? That's what I want to know. Who screwed up so bad to get these numbers all off?
2: Well, tonight it was Toronto giving up 12 runs uh, and only scoring six. Uh, they were the ones that. Uh...
0: Yeah, but, but that's six of 20 or whatever. So, like, that's hard especially when it's that many games when you've won that many games more than the other side it takes it takes quite the effort to be able to get blown out enough to not have it evened out because you figure the majority of games actually i'm not sure what the average is what would you say the average difference score differential is three runs
2: you know i'm looking right now uh I want to see what it was last year uh, between the AL and the NL. Let me see it.
1: Interleague play. I can't find
2: it. the results. Hold on. Yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, you know, we're speaking about interleague play and how lopsided we think the run run differential is uh do you really think that it's as important anymore like because like it used to be i i like the way that they used to have the schedule where it was like okay for two weeks in june you just play all your interleague series and then it's done and then you play like maybe one interleague series besides that uh now that there's an uneven amount of teams in both leagues, you're always getting an interleague game, which is cool. But uh, I, I've heard some players voice their opinions saying, like, there's no point to have an American and National League if you're just going to always have them playing each other. And I get that.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a – that's probably a topic for a much slower day. Yeah, no,
2: definitely.
0: Or a, another – or in the offseason, but I think there are a number of ways that you could make the league more interesting and more competitive and perhaps less interleague and really giving some buildup to the playoffs and the few interleague matchups you have would do a lick of good. The other um, news, I believe we forgot to mention it last night, the Cubs and the Reds will be playing in the Field of Dreams game next year
2: yes that is that is correct
0: no it's not Cubs and Reds
2: it is the Cubs
0: Cubs and it's the I don't remember it's an American League team it was an interleague no it's
2: the Cubs and the Reds you had it right the first time true uh and I found the results for the 2020 interleague LJ they the teams went 149 and 149 against each other Beautiful. Completely split down the middle in 2020.
0: Well, what was the run differential?
2: That I cannot see on this site.
0: We're not privy to that information. All right, let's go ahead and get into our last topic of the night before we have to go on and say goodbye. It's something we missed from yesterday, and we're going to go over into baseball cards, which we do not talk about nearly enough. And the baseball card that is having a huge ripple effect throughout the world right now the card heard heard around the world honus wagner's baseball card set it it sets the record for the most expensive card ever selling for 6.6 million dollars the bidding started at 1 million on july 23rd And ballooned all the way to 2.8 million that day, before eventually getting to 6.6. That's 1.4 million more than the previous record.
2: Yeah, I believe the previous record was that one of one signed Mike Trout, but Bowman Chrome on-card auto a rookie card. I'm not sure. I believe that that's what it was. But yeah, Honus Wagner, the T206, probably the most famous baseball card ever, uh, has been kind of the holy grail of a baseball card collecting for a long time. Uh, for those who don't know, Honus Wagner, one of the best baseball players ever, uh, played back in the early 1900s, uh, actually started out in the 1800s and then played through I believe 1917. and he they used to put baseball cards in packs of cigarettes and stuff like that. He was not a big fan of having uh, his card being a pack of cigarettes. so there's only a few known cards of his still available. and the most famous is from the T206. Uh, I believe that is what the card is called—the T two hundred six Thomas Wagner card—and yeah, LJ. So it's six point six million, and then also a twenty percent buyer's premium on top of that. I mean, so in the in the thing is, if you're the guy who bought that. All you have to do is just wait a couple of years, wait for the inflation to go up a little bit. And then you can just sell this card again for much more money because people are going to bid more and more to be able to get this card.
0: Well, exactly. And when you, you stop to think about all of the obstacles in this thing's way right now and how much potential room it has to expand in price. I mean, In terms of actual dollar numbers, if you're wanting to just make the news, the amount of inflation in this country right now is only going to continue to get worse as people feebly try to find the solution to getting out of the pandemic, Um, not really the subject of our podcast, but anyway, point being, not only is that number going to go up, but as the economy gets back to normal, there's gonna be more people, particularly of that level, that caliber of business, that are gonna feel more and more comfortable spending on this type of luxury item. So if this was a normal set of time, a normal set of circumstances where a lot of businesses still weren't 100% back from the profits lost from last year, they might not even be 100% back with their workforce, if you were to fast forward five, maybe 10 years, it's going to be a completely different market that will be much higher, much more competitive.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. And the the whole sports card market uh, made a huge, huge leap during the pandemic. Uh, you know, a lot of these sort of like uh, hobbies that a lot of people never really thought about you know doing or kind of kind of getting into they blew up during the pandemic because people were just sitting at home with not a lot to do why not you know start a collection of, of baseball cards and now uh you know we have the whole buying and selling uh buying and reselling of of baseball cards which is so popular as well so yeah, it's it's a market that's certainly going to expand uh, in the future much more, and the cards' uh, value will just continue to go up and up and up. But
0: look, I'm- I think it's also important to acknowledge as we talk about this whole—you know, this is a these pristine, perfect, one-of-a-kind cards that are selling for millions of dollars. It's important to acknowledge the very real and human aspect of cards and the fact that it shouldn't be as daunting as this like Brendan correct me if I'm wrong cards are still collecting cards is still meant to be fun yeah it's not meant to be this arduous process that everybody's turning into I'm sorry but the this whole new craze with passive income which is a great thing to be Doing. It's a great way to invest your money to have that money really work for you in that way for a, such limited effort that has to be put in. But at the same time, it's kind of destroying the card market on every single card game imaginable. But still try. It's still a lot of fun. You don't have to collect the entire year's set. I know that's some, some
2: people don't speak. have to break break your bank just to no. get cool cards that are worth a lot. Going. Buy the plain pack for five dollars and just like you know, start a collection. Be like, oh, you know, like I look at I was at the baseball hall of fame a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I'm just gonna buy a pack of cards. Like, I have no interest in buying the ones where you can get autographs and and the packs are a hundred dollars. No, I just want a normal pack of cards and I'm looking through it. I got a uh Johan Oviedo uh yeah rookie card in there. And I was like, look, like this is a guy for the Cardinals who has certainly been a solid pitcher for them this year. Like, that's cool. Like I got, I got his, his rookie card and I'm going to be able to keep it. And just like I, how I have a Yasiel Puig rookie card that I got back in 2013. I like going out and buying baseball cards. What I don't like is how serious people have take started to take it where they line up outside of target and wait for them to get the shipment of cards, then run in and buy the entire case of them. I mean, that's the majority not have
0: stopped carrying them. Actually, it's really yeah.
2: Sad. Well, yeah, that's 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 the thing is that because of people like that, you can't even go and buy them anymore.
0: No, which is, again, at the same time, has kind of resurrected the local card shop, which is the positive spin on that. But yeah, I think everybody can find a strategy for them that works that it really should be something that you enjoy you can be proud of if you want it to be that i mean to share my experience what i'm trying to do now um i fully plan on getting it, i i as a uh, christmas gift hopefully the big bowman chrome draft mm. box yeah because my goal I want to ideally starting now get every single one, but at the end of the day, if I don't, it's okay. I want to get all of the Red Sox first round draft pick pro- prospect cards, their first prospect card in some way, whether it's Chrome, whether it's autographed. I mean, the higher the higher that quality, the better, of course, but I want to have every single one of them in some regard. I already started uh, recently getting a Nick York card, and at the end of the day, Will I, will I get it graded, perhaps, just to see what it is? And that way I get the nice casing and protection. But at the end of the day, I'm not trying to find this uh, PSA 10 card. I'm just looking for things that I can be proud of, that I can enjoy and enjoy having. And the other thing, too, is you act, people act like if it's not these million-dollar cards, these $100,000 cards then they're worthless. The vast majority of these cards, even base ones, if they're of any value, especially like even a base rookie card, skyrockets in actual value from one point to the other. Because I mean, you think, I'm just assuming let's call pack cards five bucks and you get what, 10 of them in there. So it's like 50 cents a card. And a, a bunch of them you can probably get within a couple of years, you can sell them again for fifty bucks for the single card. So there is value in all of that if you again want to look at it. So just have fun with it let's not let's not ruin this really great hobby with all of this numbers and retirement planning.
2: Yeah, come on like I'm a finance major and even I'm not taking it that seriously. <laughs> you know if it, it, if if there was ever someone that would try to you know cheat the system uh for for some sort of money uh you know you would think it would be well no i shouldn't say cheat the system that might be his say, too be far. very
0: careful with your words because i'm the temptation for me to use this for a graphic tomorrow is growing
2: <laughs> you know i will say you know i'm just gonna stop what i'm saying so so we can't even get that far <laughs> but uh is, is that all that we wanted to talk about today
0: um i believe so other than the fact that it's kind of scary the amount of grown men that are putting basically their life savings into these cards do you ever think that that ebay market is going to run dry never like though but because like
2: sports cards are on the rise that's that's never happening
0: i know sports cards are on the rise but like there's a lot of people that are trying to get ridiculous prices for some of these cards and And they
2: get them and I they know get they them.
0: get them, but at some point it's gotta come down from that.
2: It's not happening. You
0: can't spend it's that much money
2: looking for people will constantly be dumb. Oh, true. Very true.
0: That that's that's where we end it.
2: That is where we end it. Uh thank you all for listening. Be sure to check us out. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. And uh be sure to uh play the trivia game on our Twitter. Yeah, uh, thank you all for listening and we'll see you tomorrow.
0: See you manana.